when you try to hold two competing values, like, like in a win-win situation, um, you know, most of us learned win-win from Stephen Covey. Well, win-win works on the map, but in uncharted territory, win-win becomes lose-lose. You're going to have to choose what to drop and what not to do. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. No secret here that these are flexible times. They're changing literally every week. What does re-entry mean for your business, for your nonprofit, or for your church? I'm not sure, but you're going to have to navigate it. This conversation today is timely. Somebody named Todd Bolsinger, who I've admired from a distance, he wrote a book called Canoeing the Mountains. And it's one of those books, not only will it be timeless, but it is timely for this moment. So I brought him on the podcast. We have conversations about something called adaptive leadership. He talks about leading through change, leading through loss, and leading through experimentation. And I just believe that leadership in this day is going to go to those who are willing to experiment, who are willing to fail, who are willing to try some things. So right here in the middle of the summer, I want to challenge you with this. Try something new. Make a little bet. Maybe you don't change everything in your life or your leadership. Maybe online you post something, you write something, you create some kind of new content. Now is the time to experiment. It will not get easier in the next season. It will always be hard. There's always fear. But I think this is a unique opportunity for leaders of the future who are going to step out. We're already starting to see that happen in some exciting ways. Todd and I talk about placing some of those bets on experiment, trying some new things, things he's curious about, things he's excited about, why academia is leaning behind in a lot of these things, and I think why you're perfectly positioned right now as a leader in a post-COVID world to create something new, something beautiful, and something innovative. This is so close to the heart that we have at Stay Forth Designs for you guys to stay healthy and reach more impact. So make sure as you're trying, as you're experimenting, you're also taking time for yourself this summer. We want to remind you to make sure to have margin in your life, Maybe it's time for you to pick up our Right Side Up journal. We have hundreds of leaders following along with that. We just ran it for our second print run, and that's selling quite well right now. And we want to see more and more leaders take 10 minutes a day and 30 minutes a week, and in just 100 minutes in seven days to be able to bolster your leadership, get more intentional, get more proactive, so that you can lead healthy and you can continue to adapt change and lead others into this future. So right now, enjoy my conversation with Todd Bolsinger from Fuller Theological Seminary, incredible author, speaker, and adaptive learner himself on his book, Canoeing the Mountains, and his new ebook, Leadership in the Time of Pandemic. Hope you enjoy this conversation half as much as I did. Well, Todd, thanks for jumping on the podcast with us today. Oh, I'm glad to, Alan. Thanks for inviting me. Honestly, I can't uh, can't think of anybody I'd rather talk to right now as we think about adaptive leadership, as we think about the extreme change that we're facing right now. Uh, many have read your book, Canoeing the Mountains. Uh, phenomenal read if you haven't read it. Um, but for those who haven't read it, Todd, can you just, um, I don't know, maybe give us a little bit of appetizer, uh, a little bit of a journey mm-hmm. into uh, the book, Canoeing the Mountains, and the concept underneath that? Yeah, so the the book Canoeing the Mountains is based on the journey of the core of discovery, which was Lewis, Meriwether Lewis and William Clark's exploration of the Missouri River to find the Columbia River and create a water route that would uh, connect the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean. And, and the thing about it is everybody knew it was there. 
Um, they all knew it was there. They just needed to find it. And whoever claimed it would then use that um, to claim that water route that would help the economic vitality of their country. So France was looking for it. Spain was looking for it. The brand new United States of America, this is in the early 1800s, was looking for it. And Thomas Jefferson sent them to find it. And what, of course, they found, as you all know, is the Rocky Mountains in the way. <laughs> so they were, they went Oops. all the way up the 18 months up the <laughs> up the Missouri River. They're looking for the for the the Columbia River, and they find the Rocky Mountains. And what's interesting is, you know, how do you discover the Rocky Mountains? The Rocky Mountains are huge. But what they realized was nobody, because of the mental model of being from the eastern part of the United States, understood what a mountain was. Their idea of a mountain was the Shenandoah Mountains. So when the Mandan tribe told them, hey, there's some mountains you're going to have to cross, they went, sure, mountains, no big deal, we're good at that. And they had no idea what they were facing. And so what happens is when you all of a sudden go so far off the map that all your expertise doesn't help you at this moment, you need a different kind of leadership. And that kind of leadership has been referred to as adaptive leadership. It comes from the work of Ronald Heifetz at Harvard. And that adaptive leadership is what everybody is trying to tap into today when we have something called a pandemic that has literally disrupted the whole world. And you use the word disruption. Um, you know, I, I don't think that anybody could just say, oh, this is just a quick interruption, right? Like it's <laughs> halftime at a basketball game or something, you know, sorry for this commercial mm-hmm. break. I mean, it is not that it is a yeah. disruption. Um, and so congratulations. You just released your ebook leadership in a time of pandemic, pulling some of these topics from canoeing the mountains and applying them really well um, to this moment right here. So I'm curious from your angle, uh, Todd, I'm sure as you you're seeing this unfold, you're watching adaptive leadership in front of your eyes. And I feel that as I'm, you know, leading coaching clients, asking questions, can you outline some different leadership postures that you're observing during this time? I mean, there's so many different ways people are leading. Can you just share a few that you see off the top of your head? Well, sure. There are some who are just trying to master the moment, right? Like, so, you know, everybody ran out and got a Zoom account or a Skype account or something like that. And everybody's going to do, you know, everybody's trying to, to be the first person to master, you know, remote work. And yet we realize that mastering that is not just having a Zoom account. It's actually rethinking the way you run a meeting, the way you lead, the way you connect to your teams, the way you teach, the way you speak. I mean, I had 15 speaking engagements cancel in one weekend. Yep. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's not only a hunk of my income, but that's a lot of my influence. That's where I where I live, you know, at least three weeks a year, a couple of days, uh, three weeks a month, a couple of days a week. Then all of a sudden I realized in the next week, I began to add webinars and podcasts. And all of a sudden I had 21 new webinars and I spoke to more people in the last eight weeks than I had spoken to in the previous eight months. So it was a totally different experience that was disrupted at that moment. So some are just trying to to manage it through. Others are actually thinking, hey, wait a minute, there's an opportunity here for us to look at the deeper issues. I always say that, you know, COVID as a disease attacks the underlying conditions of a body. And I think one of the things almost everybody in an organization is doing today is that COVID is revealing the underlying conditions in the body. And if they take advantage of this moment, you know, soberly to say, hey, let's ask how we hit the organizational reset button 
Let's ask some larger questions about who we are. And let's take seriously that the world is never going to be um, the same, exactly the same way. So what could we address? And that becomes a really different conversation. Mm. So I'm using the word, the new different. Do you have a a word or a phrase for what in the world we're heading into? That's a good one. I'd probably use yours. I mean, I, I think what it's mostly is, I think it's, I mean, I often talk about uncharted territory. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I get that from, uh, from Lewis and Clark, you know, there are skill sets you take with you. And, you know, eventually when they crossed over the mountains, they got into a river again, but they got into a different river, not the same one. They got in with completely different boats. They actually had to learn how to make canoe dugout canoes from the Nez Pierce tribe because they didn't have the resources to build the boats they'd had before. And they got in as different people. They acted different because of what took, when they went through the mountains, they began to be more collaborative. They needed to help ask for help from the native American tribes. They, so I think the future is going to be an uncharted territory is going to be an opportunity for transformation. And so learning to lead an uncharted territory brings out skill sets that we didn't already know we had. And, and yet we don't lose the things that we had from before. Yeah, that's really well said. And that actually rings true with, with my heart. I used to be a mountain guide actually for, um, just for three months, but I, I remembered, I can't carry these people up the mountain, uh, not strong enough. And also I'm to go with them and to sort of pull some of the greatness out of them. They got up the mountain. They just didn't know that they had it in them. And so I actually carried that in that paradigm into our coaching. I say that at stay forth designs, our coaches are mountain guides for the leadership journey. And um, that in this season, we're inviting people to trade flip-flops for hiking boots. And, and so it goes so yeah. closely with you know, what you're talking about. It's interesting. I grew up in the Shenandoahs and I got just to the edge of the Rocky Mountains here and stopped, right? So I'm still sort of living in this suburban dream where I can look up at the mountains. And in many ways, I think that's, that's mm-hmm. true, right? The mountain people are raw and they have to experience different things that we do. They're not shopping at Walmart each week. Um, so it's so many different mm-hmm. levels of this. Um, as we uh, apply and, and these different implications, different seasons, um, adaptive leadership principles will win the day. And, and what are some ways that you think adaptive leadership, uh, if, you know, if you had a crystal ball, Todd, that you would just say, you know, maybe a year or two from now, these are some of the new adaptive leadership principles. Can you guess at what some of those things are that are going to come out of this? So, so this is interesting that you asked me that because one of my principles about that comes out of adaptive leadership, adaptive leadership is built on learning and it's built on facing loss. And those two things lead us to do experimentation. Yeah. So one of my principles about adaptive lead, uh, from adaptive leadership is you don't predict, you prototype. Tell me more. You don't it. start trying to. Well, you don't start trying to figure out what, what's going to be like a year from now. You ask yourself the question: So, what's the experiment we can do for tomorrow, about, based on what we learned today? What's the thing we should be trying? What is the prototype, right? Minimum viable product in entrepreneurial language. What's the safe, modest, aligned experiment? And aligned is really important. Here's our values as an institution or organization. We're not going to try to be something we're not. So Meriwether Lewis and William Clark, they were explorers. They didn't find a, there was no water route, but they were going to discover a whole new world. And so they were, and they went to their deepest value as men of the enlightenment and their values where they believed that the growth of human knowledge would lead to the growth of human happiness. So they said, okay, well, we don't know it's tomorrow, but what we know is we're going to keep going. We're going to proceed on. That's what Meriwether Lewis wrote in his journal. We proceeded on and we're going to learn as we go. So 
Don't try to predict the future. Prototype, do experiments, learn from them, acknowledge what didn't work, be honest about that, do the next experiment, and keep experimenting your way forward. And that's the way we get to the new future, right, is by experimenting our way forward. And so I spend a lot of my time with people who are trying to, if we could just figure out predicting six months, when are we going to open? When will we have full gatherings? When can we come back face-to-face? That uh, that's not the questions we should be dealing with. We should say, what can we prototype with today that will make today better and will move us forward? As we keep moving forward, we're going to learn as we go. Mm. Yeah. So I, I ask you the absolute wrong question uh, in that sense. I'll rephrase yeah. it right here in a second, but it's interesting the amount of energy you burn off trying to do that too. Because I wonder churches right. or businesses, right. if we're just paying attention to the media, that could be 60 or 70% of your energy that week was trying to predict and, oh yeah, we predicted wrong. So it's going to change on Tuesday anyway. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that's fascinating. Yeah. So let's shift that from predicting to prototyping. Any early prototypes you're seeing? Um, right now, or maybe recommendations well, and say, ooh, this should be something we are trying and experimenting with right now? Well, here's one. So, I'll, I mean, my mother is 77 years old, and she never got on Facebook because she thought that Facebook was too complicated. She didn't understand. She didn't like it. She didn't, didn't make sense to her. But as soon as this thing hit, this COVID vi- virus hit, her, my niece, her granddaughter, got her on Zoom. Because what she knew she wanted to do was see the faces of the people she loved. So once, so what happened is people who wouldn't, couldn't understand social media could understand the idea of using some technology to connect. And you know, the most powerful part about Zoom isn't that you can broadcast, it's that you can actually converse. So now you start asking questions. So what's this going to do to meetings? What's it going to do to more and more people are going to realize, um, I, I thought heard this really great thing from Patrick Lencioni, where he said, I think... People have used technology for social and they've used face-to-face for business. I think that's going to flip. People are going to realize we can do a lot of business over technology, lots of meetings, save ourselves from travel, save ourselves expenses. Um, I think even some of the speaking that I've done in, in large you know, hotel conference rooms are now going to become uh, webinars. I mean, I, I just got invited to speak to a large uh, conference in Australia, mm-hmm. but they don't have to fly me to Australia. Yeah. That so what's going to change is we're going to ha- we're going to be hybrid. We're going to use high tech, and we also now we have a huge longing for high touch, and and so now who we're in relationship with is really going to matter. And because it's going to be a hard time since we t- until we can have a large informal gatherings, I think we're going to see intensity of smaller gatherings, smaller teams, smaller families, smaller church groups working with in a larger context using technology. So it seems like we can prototype some of those things right now. We can try some things right now about how to how to have good meetings, how to use technology well, how to make sure that we are connecting safely, you know, in relationships, all of those things. Um, that's one. That's exciting to me, honestly, uh, because yeah. innovation is <laughs> going to happen. We're going to stumble over some new things. What will happen to those yeah. who yeah. don't adapt in this next year, Todd? Well, I mean, so when, one of the things we, I mean, there's the famous, you know, adapt or die is like one of the famous phrases that comes out of this whole language. And I think what you're going to see is there used to be a time where people could 
be they could withhold from adapting for a long time because there's lots of institutional legacy, lots of nostalgia. I mean, there's lots of good things. I just talked today with a mission leader from the UK who said the big struggle in their organization is they have this giant history that is built on literally two centuries of tradition. That tradition is valuable. It's it's really valuable, but you know. Gustav Mahler said that tradition is the tending of the fire, not the preserving of ashes, right? So it's going to, so the, the organizations that figure out how to hold on to what is most important, they will move forward. Those who try to hold on to everything, well, then they are going to go under. So I always say the first thing we're learning is is experimentation, and the second thing we're learning is really what is essential. Mm. And that's going to be the critical question. And if you can't figure out what's essential, you will die under the weight of trying to do everything. Wow, so good. So what I'm hearing is prioritization and discernment are, are going to need to be key skills in this next season? Yes, but even probably even more radical than that, right? So if, you know, like literally, what if you thought, okay, what... What is the one thing I can do? What is the one, what's the one contribution I can make? Where, if I only have so much energy, time, and influence, what's the one problem I want to take on? And if you start literally with that kind of essentialism, what you start realizing is how much of our lives we have cobbled together, holding together lots of competing values. That's, that's actually you know, a huge part. Adaptive leadership is about learning, loss, and competing values. And when you try to hold two competing values, like, like in a win-win situation, um, you know, most of us learned win-win from Stephen Covey. Well, win-win works on the map, but in uncharted territory, win-win becomes lose-lose. You're going to have to choose what to drop and what not to do. So it's more than just prioritizing. It's really going to be, I think, really essentialism. Self-inflicted loss, I'm hearing, so that we can yeah, uh, yeah. carry on the other things. We're, we're thinking a lot, I think, about loss, grief, things that we had no control mm-hmm. over, right? We've, we've lost a lot of speaking opportunities, you know, like you and influence. Mm-hmm. I love being in the room with people. I literally love traveling and seeing brothers and sisters, you know, all over this country and we lose that. But that's an interesting thing to think about things that we will choose uh, not to do. You mentioned essentialism, uh, minimum viable product, uh, probably Eric Reese uh, you're referring to there in his book, mm-hmm. The Lean oh, Startup. Oh, you bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what are some other yeah. books we can maybe borrow from? Maybe someone's a ministry leader here or a kingdom leader. What are some other books mm-hmm. uh, you'd recommend that, that you feel like could be really key uh, or seminal right now in this mm-hmm. next season? Well, Greg McKeon's book, um, Essentialism, is one of them that has influenced me, and the whole notion of of the minimum, the idea of prototyping, um, has has really been uh, deeply important to me. Um, I think one of the books that I spend a lot of my time thinking about and trying to spend time on are, are books and resources about emotional intelligence. Um, I think I, I, I'm, the book that, that I have coming out in November on resilience was really amazing when I was doing the study on resilience. Resilient people are people who are deeply empathic. It seems almost counterintuitive because because you think if you're really soft-hearted, if you're really caring, oh man, you're going to feel the burden of it. But what you realize is when you're empathic, people move with you. It's, it's, it's like what you're doing is you're getting your companions to come with you. So even when we talk about loss, one of the parts we have to keep working on is the empathy is part of our strategy for moving people into the future. 
Um, my wife's a therapist, and so she hates the idea of attack attaching empathy to strategy. She just says it doesn't make sense, right? But um, <laughs> empathy that moves towards strategy is actually really wise. It's you you want to be if you're going to go on a hard journey, you want to go with people who are both hopeful, but also are under, deeply understanding and caring when the time is hard. Yes. So, so I, oh, I spend a lot of my time looking at work on emotional intelligence, on empathy, on those kind of skill sets that are really important. Yes. It, it feels like if, if you're hopeful, but you're not empathic, then you're sort of casting this pie in the sky type idea that people just can see through and go, no, like I'm not looking for happiness or sort of empty inspiration right now. Like I actually want to know you're with me. So that's in such a good connection. I can't wait to read your next book, by the way, put me on early reader uh, copies or editions, or we have to get you back on the podcast for that one. Uh, what are you encouraged about right well, now as you watch leaders, Todd? Well, I think what I'm most encouraged about is about the leaders who are willing to um, kind of uh, pay attention to their own anxiety and step out of the swirl and ask these larger questions. Um, I, I mean, I've spent a lot of my time thinking about how, you know, there's a, there's a statement about how you never want to waste a crisis. I'm more encouraged by conversations that I've heard now that I never would have expected before. So, you know, in the church world, large churches are actually spending time talking to home church networks. Uh, people in established institutions are asking questions about, you know, startup fledgling, um, you know, storefront churches. Like we're starting to realize that there's no center. There's no uh, hegemony of 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 the of the past. It's now gets to be much more collaborative, and I'm more encouraged by the collaborative conversations that cross lines than anything else. I always say that because I teach on leading change, I get to speak to groups who won't speak to each other mm. uh, because what they have in common is that the world outside is changing. And so groups that will be pitted against each other politically or, or religiously or whatnot, both the sides of that equation will ask me to come speak to them. And I'm like, you, you don't realize how much we have in common when we start talking about uh, the world around, around us. Yeah, it seems to me like you could have one of the most uh, unifying messages because everybody has to not only deal with change, but has to try to figure out, I guess the, the right word's probably navigate it. If we're talking about canoeing the mountains here, if we're talking about learning yeah, new skills, yeah, yeah. Um, navigate, not just manage. I've always talked about change leadership instead of change management. I think it's, you know, management feels more mm -hmm, passive. Mm -hmm. And um, in, in this time, we're, we're going to have to try to uh, navigate just to keep up in, in that sense. Uh, so what worries you right now as you, as you look at leaders? What fears do you have? Well, if you read anything about human history, and especially, and I'm a Christian, so I even read the biblical history, the pull toward the past, to the status quo, to the familiar is really strong. Just think about this, like familiar and family are root words. So it feels like you're home when you are on familiar terrain. So the great temptation to greet, to go backwards, to default back to old training, to go back into old patterns. I mean, we've been in these places before 
before where people have said the world is going to dramatically change, you know, after nine 11, people said that. And where do we end up with is a lot more of the same. And David Brooks has talked about the fact that in the, uh, the, the pandemic of 1918, the flu pandemic, there was, isn't a lot of story, aren't a lot of stories told about that because people didn't act in really noble ways. They became more selfish. So what I worry about is that we'll miss this opportunity to learn, to empathize, to figure out what's most important or essential because we'll want the familiar rather than the freedom of learning and growing. Mm. Uh, have you read Brooks's uh, book, The Second Mountain? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. So good. I'd, I'd put that on my best books I've read in the last six months. Actually, I think it connects a lot um, to this next season as well. Mm-hmm. I think there's just a deep hunger for legacy and transcendence and something bigger than just mm-hmm. maybe the moment or the influence. Um, I think it has a lot yep. to, to speak to this moment. Uh, what are you curious about right now, Todd? I think what I'm most curious about is about what's going to evolve. Um, I have this, uh, this, one of the things I really believe is that the, is somebody said to me once, you know, Todd, the future is here. It's on the margins. So if you spend all of your life in the center, just talking to people in the center, you're going to miss the fu- where the future is is emerging. And you know, I live in an academic world, and there's a reason why it's called ivory towers. And you know, if you spend all your life talking to people who have PhDs, who are institutions, who are working on tenure, who are um, you know have been in, I mean, higher education is an 1100 year old business, right? And so, like, you realize you'll miss that the most exciting things are actually on the margins. And so where it gets me really excited is talking to people that, to be honest, I, I have either been too blind or too privileged or too biased not to hear from. So I am way more curious about what is the perspective of the global South? What is the perspective of people of color? What is the spe- perspective of women? What is the perspective of leaders who have not been given a microphone or a megaphone? And I find myself curious about what I can, if I put myself in the place of being a learner, somebody said, you know, when the margins speak to the dead center, and I think they meant that as a, as a, as a, a twist, a double entendre that with a little bit of a bite, but when the margins speak to the dead center and collaborate, new things happen. And I want to say that's really important to me. Hmm. Any other shifts we haven't talked about um, that leaders really should be aware of and leaning into in these next 12 months, especially? Yeah, so most of the writing and the stuff I do, we actually, I'm so I'm part of the Dupree Center for Leadership at Fuller. I'm a I'm, I'm a VP at Fuller, but I'm also a, a senior fellow for the Dupree Center for Leadership. And one of the conversations we're having a lot is that there there's the line between say, you know, religious clergy and lay people is broken down at this moment. And so a lot of my time I spend with folks that you spend time with, uh, entrepreneurs, marketplace leaders, people who are doing really innovative things. Um, these are I'm as a person of faith, I really want my faith to infuse every part of life. I'm finding that wall between uh, is just between the clergy and laity is breaking down. And so I'm curious about how that's going to change the church and how that's going to change the way in which we think about leadership. And I mean, even the books that I write, they are, a, they are a Venn diagram of the best of leadership literature that you'd find in a place like Harvard business review and spiritual formation practices that, that have been shaped over the, 2000 years of church history, including even further um, 5,000 years of, you know, including uh, Hebrew and Jewish history. So I think there's, it's that collaborative 
uh, bringing together of different worlds into something new that is really interested to me. And that's, that's when I think about uncharted territory, I think that's the world we get to discover together. Uh, that's really good. Are there any leaders um, besides those on the margins uh, right now? Are there any leaders uh, that maybe our listeners won't be familiar with that we could really be and should really be learning from right now? Well, so that's an interesting question. I think so. The people that I listen to are on two different sides. So you'll hear this me talk about this a lot. So I spend a lot of my time uh, listening to voices of people, say, like in the environmental movement. Um, including like people like Wendell Berry, who we were writing for years. Why? Because they're talking about ecosystems. They're talking about um, what makes health, what is organic, what is enduring, you know? And then I spent a bunch of my time talking to entrepreneurial startup people. I listen to, I listen to folk, podcasts and stuff that come out of Silicon Valley. And one of the reasons that I do both of those is because I think there's something about creating healthy ecosystems of experimentation and learning that comes out of, the, out of the two of them together. So a, a lot of my work is in that kind of combination. Um, this last year, a book that really shaped me was uh, Jonathan Sachs, who was the chief rabbi of London. He studied adaptive leadership, and then he did a year of, of, of reflections on the Torah, the first five books of the, of the, of the Hebrew scriptures. And, and it has this book called Lessons on Leadership. And it's this amazing commentary on leadership from a Jewish perspective that is built on the whole notions of learning, loss, competing values. It was very interesting for me as a Christian to learn from a, a, a respected Jewish rabbi. I love it. Well, I wondered if, um, well, Todd, this has been so rich. This has been so good. I, I loved your ebook. Guys, you can, I, I would say pick up a copy, but I guess download a copy uh, of mm-hmm. Leadership in the Time of Pandemic. I love leading through that. We look forward to your next book in November uh, coming out. Can you just quickly just give us a little bit of a preview uh, for that next book? Yeah. So but just by the way, if your readers want to get something, here's an easy way to get a bunch of material. And this is where this stuff lives. You just send, you just text the word uncharted, like uncharted territory, uncharted to 66866, uncharted 66866. And that's where I'm spending my time blogging and writing about these things. And the book coming in November is really about resilience. It's what forms resilience when you face resistance. And what we find from most leaders, the most daunting thing is not the challenge outside in the world. It is the resistance you get internally from your own people who resist your leadership when you're trying to take them into uncharted territory. And so what is the resilience? How do you develop the resilience needed to face that resistance and continue to lead people into uncharted territory? And so that's what I write about. Well, Todd, I wondered if you might leave uh, our listeners with uh, a word a challenge, an encouragement on the way out? I think my biggest biggest encouragement would be um, lead the learning. Lead the learning. Just start with the notion of the most humble person is the person who can be able to sit before a group of people and say, I don't know. And that person is also the strongest person in the word, in in the room. If you can stand before people and not fake it, Use all the trust that you have built with them to be able to stand before them and say, I do not know, but we are going to proceed on and learn as we go. Then you can lead into uncharted territory. 
Well, Todd, thanks for all that you're communicating, the conversations that you're starting. It seems like you're uniquely positioned uh, to help lead so many different people to open up so many cans of worms that we need to be paying attention to in this season. So Todd, thanks for all you do. And thanks for stopping by the podcast. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Wow. That's good stuff right there. I mean, those are the kind of conversations that I love. They challenge me. They excite me. They entice me to try something new. Here's the reality, guys. If our identity is secure, we are sons and daughters of the King, deeply and dearly loved. Nothing we can do can earn God's love, and nothing that we don't do can take away His love. I would just encourage you, now's the time, guys. Now is the time to risk. Adaptive leadership is what we're all trying to live out. Are we certain of the future? No way. We never were. I'm less certain of the future than I ever was. And yet right now in this moment, I'm more certain of who I want to become, who God is making me into, and the kind of team that I want to be around. I love our team at Stay Forth so much. I'm so encouraged by these folks. We have a team of coaches that would love to walk alongside of you. Right now, if you need help navigating the leadership journey, which I would imagine we all do right now. Our coaches would love to walk alongside of you. We're mountain guides for the leadership journey. Guys, continue to adapt, but continue to rest, continue to find some margin, continue to Sabbath, and don't forget, continue to play this summer. Guys, we'll catch you every Tuesday and Thursday for fresh episodes of the podcast. Got some good stuff coming up. We're talking about beauty. We're talking about experimentation, change, leadership, character, rest, and even play and fun on the podcast this summer. We'll catch you then. So long.